Chapter 15 Zanch and Sasuna both screamed as the darkness sealed around them. Navigation was impossible, and they became one more tumbling object in the chaos raining down from the colliding islands. Sasuna called her lady's name, begging for deliverance. Zancha hoped Sarah could hear. The sphere wasn't like Urza's armor. The armor lasted until Zancha willed it away, but once the sphere had risen, it collapsed as soon as it touched the ground. At least that was what had always happened. It might do something different this time when it had become black. The jostling, which seemed to last forever, ended when they struck a decisive bottom. The sphere collapsed, as it always had, coating Zancha and soot and leaving them in a shower of rocks. Zancha was stunned when a stone struck her head, but mine stars were all she saw through the sticky soot. Sasuna's hand closed over hers. Zancha let herself be guided to a place where the air was quiet. So what's next? Zancha asked when she wiped away enough soot to open her eyes. There wasn't much to see. The air was dusty, and the overhead island, the island from which they'd fallen, and they, that continued to rain chunks of itself onto the island where they were now standing, remained close enough to keep them in twilight darkness. She feared another collision. We can't stay here, she added, in case Sasuna had missed the obvious. They were both nursing bruises. Zancha's hand came away bloody when she touched the throbbing spot where the rock had hit her skull. The left sleeve of Sasuna's gown was torn to rags, and she was dripping soot-streaked blood from a gash on her forearm. Zancha never worried her own cuts. She healed quick, and the infections or illnesses that plagued born folk weren't interested in newt flesh. She worried about Sasuna instead. Although Sasna had gotten them to safety beyond the rockfall, she was dazed and unresponsive. She held her bleeding arm in front of her and stared at it with a glassy eye. The folk of Sarah's realm were born, or so Sasna had claimed. Despite the strangeness of the floating island realm and the way Sarah's air sustained them, Sasna might be as fragile as the born folk usually were. The soot alone might kill her. Blood poisoning wasn't an easy death or a quick one. But unless she had hidden her injuries, Sasna's problem had to be shock and fear. Waste not, want not. You're not dead yet. Pull yourself. It was black, Sasna interrupted. I noticed, Zancha said with a shrug. It's always been clear before, but it kept us alive and we'll use it again. Sasna wrenched free. No, you don't understand. It was black. Nothing here is black. The lady doesn't permit it. She began to weep. I told you, you couldn't call on black manna here. Black manna? I'm no sorcerer, Sasna. I've never called to the land in my life. But the cyst had felt wrong since she'd awakened, worse since she'd used it, and the sphere had been black. You shattered the land. Shattered it! Zancha didn't demand gratitude, but she wouldn't stand for abuse. I didn't shatter anything. Two islands collided, and I kept us alive the only way I knew how. Would you rather I'd left you to be crushed by the rocks? Yes! Yes, they'll come for you because of what you've done! And they'll come for me because what you've done is all over me. If I'd known that, I'd done it sooner, Zancha lied. Zancha wasn't in pain, and if anything, she was numb. For the first time in centuries, she wasn't aware of Urza's cyst. Her hand felt cloth when she rubbed below her waist, but the rest of her couldn't feel her hand. The numbness wasn't spreading. The part of her mind that knew when she was healthy said that she was numb because she was empty. She didn't know what would happen if she called on the cyst while her gut was numb and didn't want to find out unless she had to. How long before your lady gets here? The lady won't come. She takes no part in death. Even when she knows it must be done, the archangels will come. Sasna looked up at the still crumbling underside of their original floating island. Soon. 
Sasana dried her tears, leaving fresh streaks of blood and soot on her face. Then she did what Sarah's folk seemed to do best. She sat down, folded her hands in her lap, and settled in to wait. The gash on her arm continued to bleed. Maybe Sasana didn't feel pain, or maybe she hoped she'd bleed to death before the dreaded archangels arrived. If her own life hadn't hung in the balance, Zancha would have laughed at the absurdity. She grabbed Sasana below the shoulders and hauled the taller woman to her feet. You want to live, Sasana. You got us both away from the falling rocks and dirt. She shook the other woman, hoping for reaction. You want to live. You want to see Kennedyan again. A blink, a frown, nothing. This is not perfection, Zancha shouted and then let Sasana go. The taller woman balanced on her own feet a moment, then calmly sat down again. Zancha walked away in disgust. She'd gone about ten paces before the light of the understanding brightened in her mind. You knew, Zancha shouted as she ran back. You've known from the beginning. You've been expecting these archangel whatever angels to since I woke up. Since before I woke up, your precious perfect lady sent me here to be killed and sent you as a what? A witness? Come back to the floating palace when everything's taken care of? All this time, waiting for the archangel. I never wanted them to come. Sasana shouted back. It was the first time Zancha had heard the other woman raise her voice. Perhaps it was the first time Sasana had raised it. She seemed aghast by her outburst. Why not? Didn't you want to get back to the palace and Kennedyern? Sasana gasped and fumbled for words. Don't you understand? I can't go back. Because I saved your life with my black mana? Zancha thought she understood perfectly. If only the archangels had been a little quicker, is that what you've been doing while you sat all the time praying to the archangels? Get here soon? I didn't want to wake you because you, while you were asleep there was no chance you'd use your black powers and nothing would draw the archangels to us. Once you were awake, you are, you are so difficult. I was afraid to tell you anything. I'd be much less difficult, Zancha said with an exaggerated politeness, if I knew the truth, she sat down opposite of Sasna. The perfect truth. Kennedyan, Zancha rolled her eyes. Why am I not surprised that he is at the heart of your truth? You're very difficult. It is the black manna in you. It rules you. The lady said so. Zancha wondered what the lady had said about Urza, but that would have been a truly difficult question. I know nothing of black manna. But I won't argue with your lady's judgment. Go on, please, before we run out of time. How can you run out of time? Zancha shrugged. Just talk. The lady smiled on Kennedy and I. She has never encouraged the divisions between the sisterhood and the angels. We had her blessings to come to the palace. But before we could be together, he was sent away, and I was chosen to accompany you. I would not have objected, so Sinek continued quickly and emphatically. I served Lady Sarah proudly, willingly. We all know how she sacrifices herself to maintain the realm. It would be the worst sort of pride and arrogance to question her decisions. But I could not, cannot believe this was her decision. To send me away to die or to send you away to die with me? Sasana had the decency to look uncomfortable. You are difficult and you are devious. You imagine dark corners and then you make them real. That was a criticism Zancha had never heard from Urza's lips. You would never do among the sisters of the angels. But if I were to speak to the lady, I would tell her that, except for your black manna, you would make a most excellent archangel, and I think she would agree. I was, am, young among the sisters, but I have had the lady's confidence. 
I know she would not have sent me away without seeing me or telling me why. Then why isn't she come looking for you? Wouldn't she notice you were missing, you and Kennedy and both? Sosna shivered. You ask such questions, Zancha! I would never think to ask such questions myself. She paused, and Zancha raised her eyebrows expectantly. Until I met you. Now I ask myself such questions, and I do not like my own answers. I ask myself if the lady has been deceived by those who were displeased that Kennedy had given me his token, and no matter how hard I try to purge my thoughts, I cannot convince myself that she hasn't. Or maybe your lady's not perfect? Sasana's thin-lipped mouth opened, closed, and opened again. I don't know if she never looked for me or if she could not find me, but in either case, yes, there would be imperfection. So you see, I cannot go back to the palace, not with these thoughts in my heart. Kennedy is lost. You mock me, Sancha. Do not bother to lie about it. But Kennedy is a paragon. He would have looked for me, and since he hasn't, hasn't found you. But maybe he is looking. How many of these floating islands are there? A thousand? Ten thousand? You shouldn't give up. He might just be one rock away. Think of the look on his face when he finds you're here dead because you stopped trying to stay alive. Difficult, but right. Half right. A faint smile cracked the dirt on Sosina's face, then vanished. We couldn't go back to the palace. Seems to me that's exactly the place we should be going. We wouldn't be welcomed. Waste not, want not, Sosina. Your precious lady is being lied to, and you'd roll over and die without your lover because your enemies won't welcome you. Not enemies. Enemies. Anyone who wants you dead, Sosina, is an enemy, yours and your lady's. If you're determined to die, let's at least try to find this floating palace where your lady is surrounded by silent enemies. Urza will support you. That was a promise Zancha didn't know if she'd be able to keep, but it had to be made. Anything that would get Sosina thinking had to be done, because even if the Archangels didn't show up, the islands were likely to collide again. The upper island had taken the worst damage in the first collision and might again in the second, but anything on the surface of the lower island was going to get squashed like a bug. Difficult, Sosina repeated. Sancha stood up and offered her hand. But right! I don't know where the palace is. Only the angels know. Didn't Kennedy never tell you how he flew in and out? We never talked about such things. Zancha almost asked what they did talk about, but Sosina might have answered, and she didn't truly want to know. Come on, let's at least start walking. We've got to walk ourselves clear of what's overhead. Maybe when we get to an edge, we'll get lucky and see this wondrous palace. We can't. Can't what? We can't walk to the edge of an island. I don't think we can walk out from under the one overhead. I tried, Zancha, before you woke up. I tried to abandon you. I knew when you walked away that you'd have to come back. No apologies. I'd have done the same, Zancha said and offered her hand again. Come on, I've lived with worlds over my head, but not this close. Makes me nervous. So Sinna reached and winced as the gash on her arm began bleeding again. It was ugly now and would only get worse if they didn't find water soon. Zancha hadn't seen free running water since she'd first opened her eyes in Sarah's realm, but now that Sosina was moving again, she didn't seem worried about her wounds. So Zancha said nothing either. Zancha kept an eye on the island overhead to measure their progress. The lethargy that had slowed her on her previous walk was worse. 
They weren't covering the ground the way she would have liked. Even so, they were getting nowhere relative to the convoluted underside above them. So Cinna looked at her every time she looked up, a look that expected concessions and defeat. But Zancha kept walking. So Cinna's remark about black mana had confirmed Zancha's suspicion that Sarah's floating island realm was a magical place, as unnatural in its way as Phyrexia. The forces that made Phyrexia a world of concentric spheres were as inexplicable as the ones that shaped Sarah's realm into thousands of floating islands, and, perhaps, not all that different from each other. She'd have questions for Urza when they met again, if they met again, if she and Sosina could walk to a place where the opening between the collided islands was large enough that she'd risk casting them adrift in the sphere. The thought of waking up the cyst brought an end to the gut numbness. Zancha dropped to one knee. The Archangels will find us, Sosina said, not the word Zancha wanted to hear at that moment. Every time you call on black mana, it brings them closer. I didn't call on black mana, Zancha insisted. Zancha used a mnemonic to awaken Urza's artifact. She didn't know how the cyst made the sphere or armor. Urza knew mana-based sorcery. The necessary insights had come with his eyes. He said the Thran hadn't used mana, so he wouldn't either, but the Thran had made Urza's eyes. So Cinna thought Zancha imagined dark corners. Zancha didn't need imagination so long as she had Urza. The pain had faded, and numbness returned. Zancha's legs were leadened when she stood. She could barely lift her feet when she tried to walk. There's got to be another way. We wait until the archangels find us. There is no other way. Is your lady sensitive to black mana or just the archangels? Black mana has no place here. It hurts. We can all feel it, the lady most of all. She is aware of the whole realm as you are aware of your body. The archangels patrol the island looking for black mana and other evil miasmas. They eliminate evil before it can affect the lady. But when they found you and the other, Urza, together, they called Lady Sarah for a judgment. You've already been judged. When the archangels find us, they won't call Lady Sarah again. They won't risk her health. None of us would risk it. If the lady sickened, we would all die. Another unfortunate choice of words, given the state of Zancha's gut, but she had an idea. I'm going to get everyone's attention, the archangels and, with any luck, your lady herself. Zancha yawned and thought the mnemonic for her armor. At first, there was nothing, and she thought she'd lost the cyst altogether. Then the pain began and she felt something acid rising through her throat. Susana screamed, but by then Zancha couldn't have stopped the process if she wanted to. The armor burned as it flowed over her skin. It spared her eyes. When Zancha looked down, what she saw was blacker than the darkest night, as black and featureless as the walls of an unlit cave. She brought her hands together, saw them touch, and felt absolutely nothing. You've got the archangels, that's all, Sosina pointed through the narrow opening between the islands. We're doomed. Susana stood no more than two arms length away, but with the black armor covering Zancha's ears, she sounded distant and underwater. Zancha looked in the indicated direction. A dazzling white diamond had appeared in the ribbon of golden light between the two islands. A moment's observation revealed that it was growing, moving toward them at a considerable speed. From the air, then, the floating islands had edges. It was only from the ground that the horizon never became an edge. As the diamond grew larger, it became apparent that it had five parts, four smaller lights, one each in the narrow and oblique points, and a much larger light in the center. The Aegis, Sosina said. The Aegis was also diamond-shaped and too bright to look at directly. 
Zanche held her black armored hand in front of her eyes and squinted through the pinhole gaps between her fingers. She saw writhing plumes of yellow fire emerging from a hole that reminded her of a portal, a portal to the sun. Moving her hand slightly, she observed the smaller lights, the archangels themselves, radiant, elongated creatures with dazzling wings that didn't move and smooth, featureless faces. They resembled Sosina the way some complete Phyrexians resembled Newt's. Not an encouraging thought. Zancha didn't think Urza's armor, in its present condition, would be proof against the Aegis. She tried to say goodbye to Sasana and discovered the armor had taken away her voice. Wind preceded the Archangels. It shook boulders loose from the overhead island and lifted the island itself out of the way. One loosened boulder struck the ground so near to Zancha's feet that she felt the ground shudder. The wind died when the Archangels brought the Aegis to a hovering halt. As good warriors anywhere, the Archangels tested their weapon before they put it to use. A beam of light as hot as a Phyrexian furnace and many times as bright seared the land directly below the Aegis. Then the beam began to move toward Zancha and Susana. It made no difference whether Zancha's eyes were open or shut, she was blind, and it felt as if the back of her skull were on fire. Zancha had never believed in gods or souls, but facing the end of her life, Zancha found she believed in curses. She roundly cursed Lady Sarah's notion of perfection when she was struck down by a sideways wind. The wind was a word, and that word was HALT! A woman's voice. This time there could be no mistaking it. Even though Zancha's blackened armor, the great lady of the realm reined in her archangels. The heat ebbed at once, but Zancha remained blind. A more ordinary voice, a man's voice, shouted, Susana! Zancha guessed that Kenadirn had found his beloved. She hoped Susana was still alive. She hoped, too, that Urza might be a part of the rescue party, but no one called her name. Someone did lift her to her feet and into the air. At least Zancha thought that she'd been lifted. She presumed she was being carried by an angel or archangel. Blind and numb as she was, it was impossible to be certain, and she was in no way tempted to release Urza's armor, assuming she could release it. The journey lasted long enough for Zancha's vision to recover from its ageish searing. She was moving through the air of Sarah's realms, tucked under the right arm of the right side archangel, Craning her neck as much as she dared, Zancha caught a glimpse of a silver face with angles for nose, chin, and not much of a slit for vision. A mask, she thought, because the hand she could see at her waist was flesh with stretched sinew and pulsing arteries apparent beneath normal-hued skin. Zancha could understand why the archangels might choose to cover their eyes. Even when it was shut down, the Aegis, one golden tether to which her archangel held in his, hers, its other hand, was nothing Zancha wanted to look at. Easily four times as high as her archangel, it reminded Zancha of nothing so much as a piece of the sun that Sarah's realm did not otherwise possess. They left the Aegis behind, shining among the floating islands, once the great island that could only be the Lady Sarah's palace came into view. The palace was many times the size of any other island Zancha had seen, and if she'd been able to make a guess, she'd have said that it was the very center of the Lady's creation as all Phyrexia had formed in spheres around the ineffable, but Zancha had seen nothing like the palace in Phyrexia. Lady Sarah's home leaped and soared in fantastic curves. Zancha could think of no stone or brick that would glisten as the palace walls and ribs glistened in the Aegis's light. The underlying color was white or possibly a golden gray. It was difficult to be certain. A myriad of rainbows moved constantly along every arch and into every corner. There was sound in all timbers to accompany the kaleidoscope light and not an echo of discord.
The total experience, which could have been as overwhelming as the Aegis, was instead subtle and unspeakably beautiful. It was also pushing Zancha and her archangel away. They were falling behind the others, including the fifth unmasked angel carrying Susana. Zancha would have preferred to keep her armor, black as it was, around her, but she didn't want to be left alone either. Perhaps releasing the armor would be the most foolish thing she'd ever done, and the last, but she recited the demonic that made it melt away. Black dust streamed away from her. It dirtied the archangel's pure white robes, but he regained his right side place in the formation moments before they began a dizzying ascent to the rainbow lace ornament atop the palace's highest, most improbable arch. With nothing else to guide her eye, Zancha had misjudged the scale of Sarah's palace. She'd seen snow-capped mountains that weren't as high as that single soaring arch, and mighty temples that were smaller than the deceptively delicate edifice on whose jeweled porch the archangel landed. Her knees buckled when her feet touched the ground. She was numb the same way the palace was many-colored, awash in shifting waves of sensation. She kept her balance by keeping a close watch on her feet and the floor. Follow me. Zancha looked up quickly, a mistake under the circumstances. The archangels had already vanished, and Kenadirn, assuming the unmasked angel was Kenadirn, had no hands to spare. Zancha broke her fall with her arms and stayed where she was, crouched on the glass-smooth floor. I can send someone for you, Kenadirn said in a tone that clearly conveyed the notion that he wouldn't recommend accepting the offer. He had a friendly, honest voice. Zancha had never paid much attention to the handsomeness of men, but even she could see that Kenadirn was, as Sosina had claimed, a very attractive paragon. She guessed he knew how to laugh, although his face was anxious at that moment. If Susana wasn't dead, she was clinging to life by a very delicate thread. The Aegis had burned the tall woman badly. Her flesh was seared and weeping beneath its crust of dirt. Go, Zancha told him. I'll follow. She started to stand and abandoned the attempt. I'll find a way, 